Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Jordan Pacheco. And I'm Rodolfo Carlos. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Glad Chad Podcast. Rudy, good buddy. How are you doing? Jordy, thanks for asking. I'm great. How are you doing? Well, you're very welcome, Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, man, I'm doing fine. We are, uh, Jen and I are 66 days out before we uh we too shall become one and i am ready so that's exciting we're we're finalizing the last of our plans we're looking at our lighting for our tent it's gonna be a really really fun time um and you are you're like nesting and stuff ashley was showing me like your guys' baby clothes that you have out yeah i know it's exciting uh, <laughs> really really cool stuff going on right now with with our our, our life right now huh mm-hmm. yeah dude exciting times um I wanted to, I wanted to, as sort of intro as this is, there's something that caught my eye today, which I had to send uh, to you because this was kind of an impromptu episode. Uh, cancer alert. Cancer alert. That's right. That's what it's <laughs> called. Cancer. We should honestly do a show just called Cancer Alert, like once a week where we just find something because we're always posting morning cancer anyway. Um, <laughs> so this was, this was a, it was a, I would want to say it's a meme. It's really like a meme series, isn't it? Because it's technically like 25 or 26 images over the course of 25 or 26 Facebook posts is how I saw it. So this is the deal. When on this morning, I cheated a little bit on my Lenten penances and I decided to look, <laughs> sorry, Lord. And I decided to look at some of the uh, the cancer Facebook, uh, like Catholic boomer posting groups that out, are out there that give us so much joy. I think this one came from Spirit of Vatican II Boomer posting. Um, that's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> Actually, it, it was it was the second one. one. So there's that one, and then there's like a, an underground, even more underground one. Those are where the real danksters lay. Um, the, the electric boogaloo. No, elect. I think it's it might have been electric boogaloo, uh, or electric boognini boo, or whatever they call it. Uh, <laughs> but the the guy who posted this uh, post memes often i won't say his name it's not important but uh this one caught my eye and the the caption heading the whole thing was this is why i'm single and so through the magics of editing i'm going to post this meme here uh, it's slightly edited and we'll get to that in a second <laughs> but what you see here of course is uh, for those listening especially is it's husband and wife in like the bathroom two-dimensional stalls right and it's just kind of wife bad, marriage bad, marriage will leave you as a guy like broke and alone and she gets everything she wants. Is that a fair description of the meme? Yeah, I would say so. I think it, it touches on all of the really bad tropes of, you know, like a modern marriage, mm. the wife cheating on a husband, uh, just kind of being overbearing the husband just kind of going along with it yeah just taking it taking it and just going along with it and then inevitably because there's no direction and no foundation they (laughs) they end up with lives that are ruined well he does is in the in the meme which is interesting so because it would be different social commentary if both of them did like Divorce is bad, I think would be the emphasis. This one is like, if you get married to a woman, she's the one that says, I want marriage. Husband's like, okay, I want kids. You're being lazy. You need to go out there and work harder. He works harder. She goes, the romance is gone and he doesn't give me enough attention. And she gets from her girlfriends, yeah, girl, you deserve better. And then she gets a message from Tyrone. And this is an important trope (laughs) in the meme world because there's always a Tyrone when it comes to MGTOW and incels, which we'll get into. (laughs) And so Tyrone is, oh, I'm here for you. Come on, let me, let's go out for coffee over work. Husband's alone, wife has an affair. 
well, you pushed me to this, right? And then wife takes the kids, takes the house, takes the money and tells the kids that daddy probably has another girlfriend, doesn't care about you, which is why he doesn't visit you. When dad tries to visit on the weekends, presumably, or whenever the custody battle allows, the wife, uh, the, um, I'm sorry, the kids have turned against him. So he tries to, he's depressed, he's lonely, she's living, having the time of her life. And so he tries to go online uh, to meet somebody. And this part of the meme, is, I think, is kind of funny um, because it's, it's, you know, some, like, decrepit fat chick who's like, don't even bother if you're shorter than 6'2 and don't have a hot body. Must have a lot of money and treat me like a princess. My kids always come first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, and then guy sees like girl post, oh, my ex-husband's the worst. And he just kind of loses his mind. So that's the uh, the synthesis of the meme. <laughs> well, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to say that that does sound like her life is ruined too, in a way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by her undoing. Right, right, sure. Sure. So what's funny is that I um, I paid attention, especially past couple of years. I wasn't ever part of this. I want to really emphasize. Um, but I was interested, as I am, as you are too, with like kind of the internet subcultures that we find um, with two groups in particular. And that's MGTOW, which stands for Men Going Their Own Way. And this would be kind of like a black pill MGTOW meme, I would define. And then there's like a black pill group called Incels. And these are kind of uh, best described as well, they would probably say are like perpetual virgins, not by their own desire. It's always about yeah, it's always about sex. So um, let's let's define the term. If you guys don't know what a black pill is, it's oh, yeah. like a hopeless situation, like the most hopeless, bleak situation you could find yourself in. So Rudy, contrast that for our audience. And, so can you just like can you just explain real quick like white pill, red pill, and black pill? Because I think that might help people. Who knew to it? So that's, yeah. So that's the black pill. Just hopelessly, just there's no hope. It's just like, it's the realization that you come to where it's like, you're at the bottom of the barrel, uh, a rock bottom. I mean, you're at rock bottom and you think there's no way that there's ever going to be anything better than this. That's a black pill. Mm -hmm. A white pill, contrary to that, is like your, your hope has just been reactivated, hopefully in Christ. Um, <laughs> everything's great. Yeah. Uh, things are on the up and up. A red pill is, um, you know, something, it would be like a, a, a realization that, uh, help me out of here, Jordan. What's yeah, a red sure. pill? So let me give kind of example. So we are glad Trad podcast is a white pill to red pill channel, right? So the white pill, the glad Trad podcast is that there's hope. The Latin mass is back in resurgency. Orthodoxy is coming out. And we're having fun doing it. That's a white pill moment. Like for everything bad that's going on in the church and in the world, Christ's light shines through. That's a white pill. It's a very hopeful message. We're red pilled. You might say based. What this means is that you wake up from the matrix, right? You have this realization that things around you are fake and gay. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. So a red pill moment in the church would be like when you look at um, what's going on at, uh, here's a perfect example, right? So some people have been woken up with, what happened to that poor lady in Dallas? Have you seen that with Taylor Marshall? Had her on our show. Pregnant wife, wasn't wearing a mask in church. A parochial vicar, I think he was, called the cops on her and charged her with trespassing. And so a red pill moment is when people are like, holy crud, this mask mandate thing, it doesn't matter if you're social distance, doesn't matter if the fact that it doesn't protect you or whatever. A red pill moment is going, holy crap, I'm just not going to wear it. Screw it. And screw you too while we're at it. Like, 
that's pretty basic. Another red pill moment would be like, um, or or a good example of a red pill would be um, deciding that you're not going to go to a a post fifty five Holy Week. Holy Week based. You're in like, you know what? Pill. I'm not doing that because Bugnini. Mm-hmm. made this first change in order to uh first change to the liturgy in order to bring in this new mass yeah so i'm not gonna be a part of it that's a red pill moment you're like ex- i'm gonna go pre-55 for mm-hmm. when you decide to leave your jesuit hippie dippy parish and attend uh traditional liturgy whether that's eastern or western that's a red pill moment and then a, a black pill to Rudy, you, you actually explained it perfectly. A black pill is a hopelessness. It's looking at something which might be a reality, but there's no silver lining that the cavalry is not coming. So um, <laughs> if you are a like, here's the thing, uh, Society of Pius the fifth set of a contest, right? That's very black, That's pill, a black pill thinking because there's no way to restore the papacy. It's like, sorry, kids, like apparently after Pius the 10th, we're o- or Pius the 12th. I'm sorry. We're over. Uh, so that's a, that's a black pill. Uh, so it's important to kind of make those distinctions. And while we're on distinctions, uh, before we kind of break down this meme and talk about some points, I wanted to kind of explain some of the internet cap camps that I just put in. So I said MGTOW and incels. Um, this, this meme I'm going to be kind and say is more MGTOW. MGTOW stands for men going their own way. On a historical note, they're essentially a response to the rampant abuses inside third wave, oh, all feminism, but especially third wave feminism. They have looked at the brokenness of divorce, the tyranny of, of feminism, the tyranny of women who partake in feminism, and uh, are responding to it in kind. They're going, you know, they they take the mantra of if women say a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, they're essentially saying the same thing for men. Um there's a range of MGTOW, and I want to be very good for them. There are some MGTOW guys um, who are men's rights activists more. These are the kind of guys who are on about how fathers are not second-rate citizens in divorce court or in custody battles, that uh, if men and women are going to be equal, society has to treat them equally. These are the guys who will tell you that the gender pay gap doesn't exist. They'll tell you that there's a double standard in society that needs to be corrected if women really want to be as... Uh, like this tyranny of feminism really wants to be as clear cut as it want, as it is. Um, generally speaking, these men's right activist guys support authentic femininity, and they also have pretty good commentary about masculinity as well. They'll tell they're they're very they're red pill kind of guys. Some of them white pill, red pill, but a lot of them just kind of red pill guys. Um, and then you kind of get the spectrum, but you get down into the more black pill guys. These are the ones who are essentially just kind of like the woman haters. Pardon my French, but it's from a song, you know, women are good for three things, cooking, cleaning, and you know what, right? So <laughs> um, these are the ones who are like, listen, like, you know, never marry a woman. Marriage is pointless. Marriage is dead. Um, and uh, the best thing for men to do is not to worry about a woman whatsoever at any sort of capacity. Uh, you can treat her like an object essentially and but you don't fall in love don't get married don't have children she will take ev- she will take everything that's the thing like she will destroy your life not a possibility but she will destroy your life um and then the incels which are kind of like the blackest of the pill they were they were um internet was interested in them more a couple of years ago because a, an incel went on a on a shooting spree hmm. um these guys are are kind of self well not self appointed they're they're perpetual virgins if you will these are the guys who say that 
if you don't have these qualifications, you will never get a woman no matter what. There are a couple of like YouTube documentaries on them, which are absolutely fascinating. Um, and they have a kind of a whole range themselves. Some are way darker than others. Um, but generally speaking, it's it's kind of a decay in the society, I think. Like this realization that we've had this tyranny of feminism and we've had this loss of authentic masculinity. So you're looking at a lot of people who are the end of their generational lines in a lot of ways. And instead of focusing inward, which some of them do, a lot of them focus outward. Well, I'm not 6'2", and I'm not a Chad or a Brad or a Tyrone, which is which is the terms they use. Uh, and uh, and I, you know, if I if I'm not, they say uh, six six feet, six figures, and there's another six in there, um, six <laughs> inches something. But <laughs> but uh, then it's worthless. So anyway, that's just that's just like the history lesson of where something like this sort of meme might come from. I should say. Yep. Pencils down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, now the thing that really attracted me, and you know, you can speak to this because you just got married, um, but this was on a Catholic kind of meme page. And I know that we like spoofed the Novus Ordo and kind of the worst of what's going on in the Curia out of it. But this was, I thought this was a particularly hot one because it's, it's, there's some anti-Catholic elements, I would say, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the premise is completely wrong. Like, if you're Catholic and you have a really serious Catholic foundation, these sorts of things typically, I would say typically, because there's always exceptions to the rule, but typically they wouldn't be on your mindset. Mm. Like, you know, like God made me not six feet tall. Well, I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah. Right. And I understand that that marriage is a covenant and that there's a, a unitive aspect, but mostly it's it's for the pre- procreation of of the human race. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna go and bang some chick and that's like that's our whole relationship. It's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely some anti-Catholic stuff on there, which is interesting to to see on uh on that on that sort of page i out of all of that because i'm not on facebook anymore but out of all of the meme pages i do miss going on there uh, <laughs> start the day there and uh find some really funny stuff on there i mean it's yeah. just like like-minded people so that's, right well with with a couple caveats fun. i i think that there's yeah, a real there's a real conversation obviously which is that we we are in a culture that's has been taken over by like the three isms, right? We've been taken over by modernism, communism, and feminism. Um, and modernism is the synthesis of all heresies. And so you do kind of, I, I, I believe, I know you believe that there is this kind of attack on authentic masculinity, certainly, and also on authentic femininity. Um, it's funny, like talking to girls who go to Latin mass especially, and they'll tell you how much like the pill or some sort of hormonal contraceptive is just pushed on you like water. Like that's like the solution to all your ills. With the moment that you start um, hitting puberty, that's what's pushed. And for guys, like we know that men and women play by different rules. Jordan Peterson did an interview with Vice uh, a couple of years ago. And he, you know, they asked a the question like, can men and women work together? And he was like, well, it's too early to tell. We'll see. Uh, because there's just a whole different like results of how things are done, you know? And um, 
we are in a pretty soy culture. We're in a pretty effeminate culture, which has, you know, which has completely pushed away like women wanting to be women and men actually wanting to be men. So like I see this kind of meme and I'm like, okay, well I get the root because if you look at the fact that across the culture, there's a 50% divorce rate. Um, 75% of, of black babies are born to single mothers. Uh, Poverty is increasing, masculinity is under attack. We're slaves to pornography and video games and anime and, and fast food and all these sorts of things. Yeah, it, you can kind of black pill yourself really easily, especially if you find like that community that we're the most isolated we've ever been, technically speaking. People feel the most isolated in all of history. I think it's just a sense of godlessness, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I see inside those groups like MGTOW and stuff, like some of them are, again, like are kind of white pill guys. But there's this kind of sense of looking at the secular culture and realizing that it's decayed, but not having a solution on how to fix it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I sympathize with that to a degree. Um, yeah, you look at the culture and you say, well, how, how in the world am I going to affect any sort of change in the, the culture? You know, I'm just one guy. And how is it possible that if I got married, um, that I'm somehow going to restore the, the culture or something? I'm just one family, right? And I think that's like a dangerous mentality to have because you're looking outwards and instead you should be looking inwards and, and saying, okay, I'm, I'm not God. So my life isn't going to change like the rest of human history. I don't know, unless God deigns it to be that way. But mm -hmm. for the most part, people are meant to affect change within themselves and within their, their, their family. Yeah. Right. And maybe you're not going to see it in your lifetime, but you are making a change in the culture by saying, no, I'm not going to live my life this way. I'm going to live it according to the standards uh, of, of God, of, of the church, Holy Mother of the Church. And by doing that, I am affecting change because my daughter or my son, or they're going to go out into the world and they're going to slowly build up this, this culture that I would like to see. And so in a way, that's the ultimate white pill. But I don't think people get there because like you mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, it's a culture that is godless. It doesn't have God at its center. And if you don't have God in your at, at the center of your life, what are you going to put your hope in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're going to put your hope in in things like QAnon. Yeah, you know, you'll see stuff like QAnon, and you're like, <gasps> there's a plan to all of this, and then inevitably the election comes and goes, and you're like, wait a minute, what happened? Mm -hmm. Q. You, where are you? What happened? That is, you know, that's an entire movement that I, I legitimately like don't know much about because I almost like chose to. I was like, the little fringe is like, no, you know, better. <laughs> like, I, look, I'm a kind of guy who like, I like order and I like the idea that sometimes things can be 40 chess. But I was like, it's better. That's like, impossible. <laughs> it's better to assume incompetency instead of malice first off. Then when malice comes, you're like, okay, never mind. Like, that's the first threshold. Sometimes 40 chess doesn't exist. <laughs> Especially with yeah. inefficiencies of, um, let me ask you this. Cause you know, one thing that's interesting about the first part of this meme is it's, it's this man and this woman and she goes, I want marriage. And he says, okay, this sort of suggestion that, uh, that marriage is kind of more or less forced upon men. You might see some, some MGTOW guys, again, some, um, one thing about them, I'll just say off to an aside is that 
for whatever reason, I think it's just because they're addressing the culture as it is, they tend to stay away from this sacramental attack or the sacramental element of marriage. They don't talk about marriage as a sacrament. They talk about it as a contract, which I think is just coming from the Protestant American tradition, really, which is why I was like surprised to see this on a Catholic forum because marriage for us is so different. Like I would never be like, well, Jen wants marriage. So I just got to, I guess I just got to do this. Like sacramental <laughs> marriage, it seems like is, is so much deeper when you recognize it's a covenant, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's why they ask you the, the, the hard questions when you start your marriage prep in the traditional, you know, in like a tr- traditional parish, you yeah. know, they ask you things like, well, what are you going in this for? You know, are you being forced? Are you, mm-hmm. do you have an actual desire? Or, because it's not a contract. This is like, this is a covenant. It's a mark. You know, you know there are. It's a mark. Yeah. It's a mark. Yeah. There are, there are marks in baptism and confirmation and other sacraments as marks in holy orders, just in holy orders where you pick a vocation and then God makes that mark on your soul. So in yep. marriage, it's like what God has joined together. Let no man tear apart. Uh, and you know, it's funny. Some of the comments I was reading on this was like, well, this wouldn't happen if you had a prenup. All this, you know, this no. could have been avoided. Uh, Come on. <laughs> well, but, you know, but again, like if, if you look at marriage as just a contract, right? And it's a contract that has a, then you say it's a contract that has a 50% fail rate. And you don't actually take the time to look at the legitimate steps to how to divorce proof your marriage. Then, of course, something like a prenup just makes, it just makes sense, right? Because you're just, prote- it's, it's protection, right? It's the same, it's a contraception argument. Uh, don't use contraception, Billy. But if you're going to, you know, these are right here, right? It's like, I love you, baby. and I'll give you everything. But just in case it, you know, in case I don't want to give you anything, like, here's, let's sign this piece of paper. Um, now, I'll be perfectly fair, though, dude. Like, it seems to me like for the past 50, 60 years we've been in this mess, Protestants and Catholics alike just have not had a clear understanding of, have not been able to produce a clear understanding of marriage to the culture, because these divorce rates aren't coming from atheists and agnostics. They're coming from Protestants. After Vatican II, right, the annulment rates went through the freaking roof. And that's where people started thinking, oh, well, an annulment's just like a Catholic divorce or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder I wonder why that is. I mean, obviously, it's it's poor catechesis. Yeah. I mean, you could always point to that. Um, I want to ask you this, but I don't do it it'll it'll be it'll be like kind of a sec like an off topic thing but okay i i'm i'm just i'm curious like mm-hmm. you know people people call this a fallacy but i'm not sure that it is uh have you heard of post hook ergo hook like this has happened this happened therefore this yeah. is the result of it mm, like slippery slope fallacy yeah um, do you do you think that's a thing? I actually I believe that that is a thing. So there's well there's correlation and causation, right? Right. So, so sometimes we can look at something and go A happened and B happened and they're related. So clearly A led to B. You know, um, I think you'd have to give me like the example. Like, what do you think? Like, I do think like for instance, like like I think the sexual revolution has led to people being miserable, confused, and alone and and put out to, to pasture on the sexual ethics that bonded the nuclear family together. That's like almost like a given, 
You know, there's okay. now so many studies, statistics on the effect of divorce and the trauma that it has on children, the trauma that it has on husband, the trauma that it has on wife, that it's impossible to go. People who said in the 60s that it's just sex, free love, it turned out that that was deeply flawed and has led to people mm -hmm. being more miserable than ever. There's, like the same people that say like, relax, it's just pornography. Like, why are you getting in a tizzy? You know, are the same people who put out these kinds of memes sometimes? Are the same people who go, oh, I, I, this, oh, yeah, this, oh, this is why I'm single, uh, women bad, but I'm going to get on my phone and pleasure myself to any kind of customization I want. Right. Well, no, the reason I bring it up is because I think that there is a poor catechesis because of the Second Vatican Council. Mm. But if you say stuff like that to some people, they're like, well no i don't think so it's like okay right. well what happened then what what what's the other what's the other reason why people don't have good catechesis anymore? right right well there's a i mean the answer is yes to that with a, with a bit of a caveat so i'm reading um here let me get it real quick okay i'm reading priests where is thy mass this is written by this is written by or interviews done by um, Society of Pius X Seminarians in about 2005, three years before Summorum Pontificum. And it's interviewing priests. All these priests are not part of the Society of Pius X. Some of them are set of a contest. Some of them are canonically irregular. Some of them are diocesan, right? They're like actually like normal faculties through the bishop, but they just were like, nope, we're just doing a lot in mass. And a lot of them asked how the Second Vatican Council was received because at the time, a lot of these priests were like in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And mm -hmm. some of these priests will tell you, because like we asked this question before. I was like, well, why did we were like, well, why did Lefebvre sign the documents? If if we knew what, like Ottavani was going to like have the intervention and was like kind of, you know, saying this was a bad idea. The answer is because the documents are written in a way that's that it's ambiguous enough where you can interpret whatever you want out of them. If you're a traditional like Lefebvre was, you'd go, okay, well, these are kind of weird, but you know, but you look at like the dogmatic pronunciation, you're like, okay, well, there's like clearly like stuff here. Um, and it's also the church. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. The problem is that the liberals triumphed, right? So the answer is, yeah, of course, Vatican II led to bad catechesis directly because it emboldened the men who wanted to tear down the tradition of the church. And this is demonstrably proven just by the fact that the church has completely memory hold the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Um, in fact, the 90s, it kind of picked it up. The mid 80s to the 90s, it picked it up. But in in um, in Lefebvre's, um, what's the what's Lefebvre book that I'm also reading? I know it's like people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, you've gone so red pill society. But it's like good historical documentation. And, um, is it a letters letter to, to confuse? Yeah. Open letters to confuse Catholics. Letters. And Lefebvre is talking about how the mass has just been completely gutted. And these examples yeah. of bishops and priests doing utter sack. Like in 2020, we would, be, we would be so, even if you were just like a normal Norris Order Catholic, you'd be completely scandalized. That change was the norm. And so when you have priests getting up there and saying, well, God's a spirit. So technically speaking, you can call him, her, he, she. And this is going on in the 70s. If you get up there, your priest goes, well, this one priest said, my dad, like out of homily, he was like, yeah, the Eucharist is just a symbol. My dad stopped him after mass and corrected him. And the priest was like, well, I mean, it is, right? So no, you can't tell me that, that this is not a direct result from the fact that the men who, who wanted to interpret Vatican II liberally, who knew that that's what they were, their intentions were, were the ones that dominated.
that means demonstrably silly. Right. No, I, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I agree with you hundred percent. Um, I just, I think the church is, is going through a massive identity crisis. Yeah. And it's not just the hierarchy. It's also the, the people that, that stuck around, mm-hmm. you know, and so they're having this identity crisis. They don't know what marriage is anymore because they don't have any, uh, good examples of what that is. Um, we're living in a, a post-boomer world, you yeah. know, so they, you know, they had their wood sock and, you know, they, they probably lived their, their faith a lot looser than you or I, or, or, you know, the, the people who are, um, who are more traditional now. Yeah. Um, which I think also that's like a rubber band effect, you know, like, I, I think that the experience of my parents that I had of just seeing how they sort of live their life was a big catalyst for me to be like, Whoa, like, right. I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we're saying like traditions back with a vengeance, right? Because, Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're technically speaking, you're a child of, of a divorce. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and Jen is, and, and Jen's was like, Jen has scars for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And what's funny that's is the like, sad thing too, is like, yeah. it's not just, it's not just the parents who like go through it. Mm-hmm. it's also i mean and also in the, in the meme you, you see the the children too and the children are like the children are suffering yeah because the parents can't get you know their life together I'll see they didn't have the, the the right intention in the beginning anyway mm-hmm. and so you know they experience the, the 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 inevitable loss of of uh intimacy with their parents mm-hmm yeah, I mean, there's a there's a part here where it's like the kids are like, we miss daddy. And she goes, oh, yeah, leap. The kids are going to hate me. And so what does she say? She says, your daddy is living a new life now. He doesn't have time for you. And so it's your father's fault because he mistreated me and ignored me for years. And what happens is, oh, your dad is probably out with a new girlfriend while I take care of your kids. And, you know, you the, the thing about any sort of stereotype, any sort of meme is that there's a hint of truth in this. Custody battles are ugly and they're terrible. And children they they show this right it's never it's seldom ever it never is the children's fault but they always internalize it as if it's their fault that mom and dad aren't together and then mom and dad will use a fulcrum use their children as fulcrums to swing oh well your father you know your father abused me your father you know did this is this and they have dad with the weekend dad's like listen your mom's crazy like you got to watch out and so what happens is that <laughs> well you know what's funny is i i um you know how much my family grew up watching Judge Judy, um, which is where I get the, <laughs> which is where I get the quote, uh, "Fathers are not second-rate citizens." There was a case where um, the mother was telling deliberate lies about this daughter's father, deliberate slanderous, the most miserable kind of lies, and she sits there to this woman and she says, "Your children are going to hate you someday because they're going to grow up and they're going to go." Well, I thought dad didn't love us. Dad wasn't around. And then they're going to go. And then if, you know, dad stays on point and if he loses his custody battle, only sees the kids for the weekend, but he's like, listen, I'm trying as best as I can. I'm up on my alimony. I'm doing all this other kind of things. At one point, right, when they hit the teenage level, they're going to go, oh, wow, mom lied about dad. And that was a problem. Now, what's funny about that is that if you, our, our priest for Precana talks about this, 
media, books, documentation, the 60s and the 70s into the 80s, divorce was awesome. Divorce was liberating, right? A woman getting a divorce, a woman getting an annulment was a powerful move. And you could never tell her no because it was a it was a blow against the patriarchy, a blow against headship, all that kind of crap, right? In movies especially too, you don't see that in 2021 amongst any community. Divorce is not something that's treated as cool and liberating and hip. It is treated as something miserable and terrible. And and how can we prevent this? Because the children of those divorcees grew up and went, why? Like, what, what could that foundation be different that would let us have a chance to be a nuclear family? And you see countless times through poor catechesis, like, my parents just got, my parents love each other. They have a good marriage. I just want to preface that. But they got a cassette, they got cassette tapes for their pre-cana, you know? It was like, like, like a series of cassette tapes. Jen and I have been through, you and Ashley, we've been through a ton of different sessions and we have to ask hard questions and learn to work together. A lot of people just didn't have that. You know, it was like just kind of assumed this was the way it was going to be. So now things are kind of going back in the way that they should be. But of course, it's ripping the culture along with it. Yeah, I also see people just afraid to to even get to that point. You know, they're they're just like, oh no, I'll be single for the rest of my life. It's too scary. Like, yeah. why risk it? You know? Yeah, yeah. There's um, there was a a call on Dave Ramsey months ago, and the woman, <laughs> it was it was the the woman was living with uh, her boyfriend, but they had three kids, and she was talking kind of about marriage, and he was like, you know, in Dave Ramsey fashion, like why haven't you gotten married yet? And she like pauses and she's like, well, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a big commitment essentially. And you he's like, three kids, <laughs> you have three kids, paint or get off the ladder. <laughs> and, but that's funny. It's funny how like in the culture, like, you know, cohabitation rates are, are up through the roof. Like, in fact, throughout the entirety of my engagement process, dude, it's assumed from everybody that we're living together. Oh, where do you, if I could have a nickel for every time someone's in like, Oh, where do you and your fiance live? like well she lives in elizabeth <laughs> and and people are like oh you guys don't live together oh like, you're not gonna you're not, oh, gonna, you're test not gonna it out yeah oh early in my relationship uh my engagement it was like you guys aren't gonna live i had a i had a producer boss and he was like you guys aren't gonna live together and that was his advice he was like well you should live together and i was like no i was like there's data that actually makes it worse <laughs> that makes it worse i mean and what's funny is you can go empirical the data shows living together is not like a also, what does it prove? Like, I hate to break it to you, but I mean, you've been married for a year, so you speak on this, but like, it's not rocket science, you know? No, <laughs> I mean, I, I could see, I could see how people would, you know, have a hard time with it. But if like, if that's, if you don't prepare enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're going into it as an individual, hell yeah, you're going to have a hard time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have a rude wake up call when you can't just leave your clothes on the floor anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you, you got to go into it with, with an understanding that you're not going into an in, an, an individual relationship where you're just like living with a roommate. Like mm -hmm. this is your wife. And the cool thing about being married in the church too, is that, that person is going to help you get to heaven. Yeah. And likewise, you have that burden, that terrible burden of having to get your wife to heaven or your husband to, to heaven. Mm -hmm. It's tough. 
I think that I think that it comes with the fact that we people don't believe in supernatural graces. Mm-hmm. So for I know for a fact our betrothal gate betrothal gives graces, and I've f- seen them working in our engagement. It's it's almost uncanny. But like I thought, Jen and I were doing great before. But like after betrothal, like we we could just we were just becoming a team, and I know that that just gets compounded upon in marriage, post marriage, everywhere, and that's exciting. And so for Catholics, right, it's like we don't look at marriage as like, oh, my gosh, you just have to do this because this is the way the culture does it. But it's this like radical engagement in Christ's own mystical body. I mean, God says that uh, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So you're right, man. It's like you it's not just you. It's not you and your roommate. You know, um, you got to get French real fast. It's we, 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 we. Yeah, um, we, we. <laughs> I get it. It's scary. And I think that there's a lot of steps because we talked about this before, but like it's hard cultivating a good godly relationship with a woman. Um, it's, I mean, any vocation takes work and it's, it's tough. It's difficult because you're not just about yourself. And for guys, especially who are like slaves to their passions for guys who, who can't put their pornography down or something. Like, why would you want to go out there and and risk rejection and risk having to deal with someone else's emotions and and thoughts and feelings or and sometimes how they go overboard and all that kind of stuff when you could literally just get on your phone and get instant gratification um, and you don't even have to buy them dinner the next day or something. You know, that's I mean, that's a huge point. And that's something that we, we don't talk about in the culture like. The, this part of the sexual revolution is like pornography is completely taken over everything. Children are being exposed to it in single digits now. Uh, you know, we were both exposed to it young. And it's like, but you can't talk about it. You can't talk about what it does to the brain, what it does to marriage, how so many divorces credit it as one of the reasons that they're going through that or something. Right. I want to say also, you know, the, the other aspect that makes it difficult uh, to have, to even get to like a, an authentic marriage, I'll, I'll, I'll even say that on an authentic marriage yeah. is, and this is on both, this is on both, both sides. It's not just guys, but it, for the most part, it, it tends to trend towards the guys. I think there's, there's a, um, a perpetual adolescence, mm. like there's a desire like you mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, to be a slave to your passions, but also to just you just you just don't want to have any sort of responsibility. Yeah. You know, um, you don't want to go into a marriage because it's too much work. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to play video games all the time. You know, or or you expect that you can, and then you get married, and it's, it's like. <laughs> Well, yeah. you're kind of dropping the ball, you know, you're, you're not really the head of the household, mm-hmm. you're not really taking care of your business. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'll tell you from experience, because, you know, I, I don't want you guys to think I'm like Mr. Perfect or anything, but, you know, there are moments and there have been moments uh, in our marriage where I, I dropped the ball and you can tell there are consequences for doing that. Like, <laughs> you are you are required to be the spiritual head of the household mm-hmm. and if like you know 
it's kind of a bad example because you know you can everybody grieves differently but like when my dad died yeah everything got derailed i mean just like taking care of his estate um you know dealing with the grief of of losing losing my dad and stuff like that it just kind of threw our prayer life out of out of order yeah and you can tell when that happens because there's there's not the sense of peace in the household anymore that that you get when you when you do have uh you know a prayer life where you're connected with god every single day mm-hmm. so there's a big there's a big lack of responsibility i see that a lot in guys nowadays where it's like i'd rather just i'd rather just play video games i'd rather just you know go on discord and hang out with these people that i'm never going to meet boys. that don't matter yeah you know and then <laughs> and then i was chuckling the other day cuz i was at hobby lobby and uh and then I saw some lady with pink hair and I was like, oh, wait, it's not just the guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these ladies right. here who want to want to pretend like they're 16. Yeah. And so they dye their hair pink or purple and then they treat their dogs better than their children. And Well, they, know, they call their dogs their fur babies. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's that sort of thing, you know, like you, mm-hmm. you just you just never grow up. You never get past yourself. I am. Um... You know, I on this channel, I know that like because you and I are both guys, coincidentally, I, I assume at least you are. You can change your gender anytime you want. Uh, <laughs> but like, you I'm know, actually, Zer. There we go. Is it's it Zer? Is... It's whatever you want it to be, dude. <laughs> I mean, a dude, <laughs> a person who I respect. Um, on this channel, obviously, we focus more on kind of men's issues. We have the series on Catholic masculinity. A couple of videos in there, just because that's what we know. Um, when I, when yeah. we talk about pornography, it's easier for us to talk from a man's perspective, but we obviously know that it affects a lot of women and in growing numbers, but also on your perpetual adolescence. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy for us to talk about it from a guy's perspective, but the fact of the matter is that juvenile behavior is, is on women too. And I think part of it is, again, it's like, it's why, it's why I hate to break it to you, Catholic ladies who are listening. I don't care what is printed in any parish's bulletin. You cannot be a Catholic and a feminist. Nope. You, you can't do, men and women are equal. Despite they are not that the same. one podcast <laughs> that happens yeah. to have both of those words mm-hmm. in it. <laughs> it's, and I'm sorry, but the fact, and like, I'm sure that we're going to talk about headship, I'm sure in just a second, I can smell it on the air. But one thing yeah. that's important is like, you know, God made men and women equal in dignity, but they, he did not make them the same. And he made a hierarchy in the marriage. So St. Paul writes about this. Genesis shows this. Christ is the head of the husband and the husband is the head of his wife. And what we see a lot of times is in, in the feminism and sexual revolution, women said, oh, a, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. I can be derelict as a duty. They assumed the uh, the bad traits of men so rather than assuming good traits of men they did the worst right they said well i can drink smoke and whore just like any of the guys can and any guy who's worth his salt goes hey the guys who drink smoke and whore aren't good guys they're not model citizens um and i can divorce and i can wear pants and i can do this and this and so before you know it you have a culture which um which treats men and women, pretends to treat them equally. But really what happens is that when women try to be men, they just happen to be bad men. <laughs> and when, when men try to be women, they just happen to be bad women. Um, one of my favorite quotes from G.K. Chesterton is, women said they would not be dictated to, then promptly became stenographers. 
<laughs> which I've always <laughs> liked. Um, but no, it's like I like f- authentic femininity is so beautiful and attractive. There's a reason why sometimes you find like a statue of Our Lady or painting. Painting was just unveiled at the Augustine Institute, and it's Our Lady at the at the uh, at the Annunciation. And I sit there and I always look up at Our Lady and I go, is she supposed to be like this poor defenseless woman under the bonds of patriarchy? The most powerful human ever because of her fiat, because of her obedience. Like if we role modeled ourselves after the Holy Family, who would complain here? Like, is Our Lady just like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know. It's like, no, she says, let be done to me according to thy word. And then she sets about her business. Like, perfect wife, perfect mother, perfect queen of heaven. Hashtag Not only that, but if you, model, if you model yourself after the holy family, which, which is proper hierarchy, mm-hmm. you're happy. Yeah. You find happiness. Infinitely happy. Because you know that you're doing something that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and things are ordered in a way that it allows you to be yourself. Mm-hmm. It allows a woman to be a woman and a man to be a man. Yeah, that's right. And you feel happy. Now you tell me if people in the culture today are happy doing the things that they do. No, they're not. And and it's so obvious, even if they tell you that they are, it's, it's, it's so clear that it's not because they're always moving on to something new. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It actually blows my mind. I was just thinking about this, that, uh, you know, to go to an earlier point, you kind of feel like it, you get blackpilled and you're like, how am I going to affect any change in the culture? Mm-hmm. But then you look at like how very small amounts, like minority people, like minority people in the culture as a whole, like they bring in these strange ideas and then they become so mainstream that it becomes like the norm. Right. Right. I mean, who's to say that, that our restoration of the culture is, is like not going to eventually happen that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, the culture is just going to devour itself until they're going to realize Okay, we're doing this wrong, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing it wrong. There's something, there's got to be something out there. Mm-hmm. And I think the more people get uncomfortable with it, you know, they, they, they get uncomfortable in their own situations, they're going to be like, I'm doing something wrong with my life. Yeah. And I hope to God that the church is there for them. Well, there, I mean, there will I'm a little be. black pilled about that part. Well, I mean, there will just, just like the hierarchy right now, but right. Well, there are you know, people like you and me, and yeah, you know, yeah. other people just kind of day to day living their life. You know? I mean, I think that this is all this, and, and part of this divine chastisement is the fact that we are realizing what the church should have always been. Yeah. And sometimes it's a hierarchy, sometimes it's a lady, sometimes it's both. But there's, but the gates of hell will not prevail. And I think that we're kind of in the budding parts of, in some ways, a Catholic Renaissance. Like, I just think that there's so much good content coming out. There's so many people who are turning to Jesus. The live, I mean, we our, our thing on the line of mass, like the explosion of orthodoxy and tradition and how they're trying so hard to kill it, to keep it down because they know what it means. <laughs> They'd all be out of the job because they've lost the supernatural faith. And- Listen, guys, 
Listen, fathers. Yeah. Listen, your eminence. I'm white pilled. That's right. To the core. You like, can't blackmail today. You can't black pill me today. Yeah, it gets. I mean, like the stuff at St. Peter's Basilica is distressing until you recognize that Our Lady warned about it and all the cool Christians have always gone underground anyway. Like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Oh, we got to celebrate it in the crypt with St. Peter. Oh, no. Like, Oh, you got well, us. I'm going to have to die for my faith. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, well, well, sucks to suck. At least we have the faith <laughs> to die for. Um, one thing I want to say earlier is this, because, um, you know, I've been really meditating on what proper headship kind of means and mm -hmm. what the interaction looks like. And St. Paul talks about it again. It's like, I've always wondered this almost throughout my life, and I've only now finally got to scratch the surface. He tells husbands to love their wives and wives to submit to their husbands, you know, and in both ways ties it to as Christ loves the church. And I think that that's because our natural inclination, our rebellious points hinge on that. For women, it's like, I will not submit to any man. I will call the shots. He can't call the shots. We see like the tyranny of, of feminism on full display where these men are kind of just like these accessories, you know, that are dragged around by these women who, oh, I scheduled everything. I did this. I determined what he's going to wear. You know, you got to put that back, all that kind of stuff, right? And it's like, oh, my gosh, stop. <laughs> and and then the flip side also, too, it's like, as men, we are, we are, I mean, we're, we're the heads of households, but also, like, we can't be tyrants. And it's like, you got to do this. You got to do this. I want a wife who does X, Y, Z, and Q. If you don't do that, then like I'm out of the game. I'm going to come home, kick up my feet, do my thing. You can't tell me on the weekend to go garden or whatever. Like you can't tell me anything. I'm your head. And it's like, yeah, that's not accurate. <laughs> it's like, I, I wish, by the way, I wish I could even pretend to try that with Jen. <laughs> I'd get, I'd get punched in the face. Cause I'm marrying a very strong woman like that. Um, I don't know, man. Cleaning up the lawn sounds kind of fun. Yeah, that's right, right. But that's a funny thing. That's that's why that's what you mean by happiness. It's like, but when things are like in the proper orientation, um, our priest described it as this: like, as a wife, your duty is. Imagine this: imagine that husband and wife are trying to move a couch through a door. The wife's job is to make the couch as small as possible, and the husband's job is for the wife is to make the door frame as wide as possible, and so it's like this like mutual love that moves forth. So reading that St. Joseph book, I was just taken aback and I can already see the graces working from the consecration because I was like, man, dude, St. Joseph was married to the most perfect woman and he yeah. knew it. You know, it's like he knew that she was the tabernacle that housed, you know, that housed our Lord. And how crazy would it be to be like, Hey Mary, would you mind? Would you, mind, would you mind to clean up that stack over there while I go out to the workshop? I mean, I'd be terrified. But <laughs> but one thing that's talked about in, in Father Calloway's book is he's like, he's like, you know, St. Joseph is the head of the holy family. St. Joseph is out of the only two human beings because we uh, is the only of one out of two human beings who actually was able to tell our Lord with love and reverence and also authority what to do. We know this because after he was found in the temple, it said that he went back and submitted to them, like in all things, and then grew in wisdom. So I was just like, like if I, you know, you're talking the Holy Family, just modeling your life after it, man. If I could just model my life 1% after St. Joseph and just that mutual, such a deep desire he had for our, our blessed lady 
that he was willing to to honor her perpetual virginity. He was willing to take his family into Egypt. He was willing to do anything for her. I mean, you don't you never hear the culture talk about these kind of things because they don't really believe in sacrificial love, which is what I'm actually seeing in that meme that we talked about earlier. Like, there's a lack of sacrificial and supernatural love. At, everything's so superficial, right? Yeah. It's like a it's like an entitlement, you know, like yeah. Like we're married, so I expect this, this, and this from you, and then, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, it's devoid of that that sacrifice that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that sacrificial love, everything that that you do or that you have to do, like your duties, they become so arduous. Yeah, yeah. I read um, it was Father Leo Kinsella's book the man for her jen read his book for women which is the wife desired i think that's the right titles and let me give a funny little analogy he gave in the book he talks about this he says listen your wife is going to be late for stuff and i'm not going to he's like and he made very clear he's like listen i'm not trying to break down the legitimate reasons from the illegitimate reasons they will they'll give you both i'm just saying she will be late for stuff you have two options you can either accept it or you can kill her <laughs> like at the end of the day. And it's such a funny way. And when I read this, so I was, I was in New Mexico reading this to my, to Jen, my mom, my grandma and my grandpa. And I said, that, I was like, look in the book, he's saying that like wives will be late for everything. And I didn't get, I did not get to my second part of that. Like we're not going to speculate the reasons they were like, well, yeah, well that's only because like X, Y, Z. And what if a kid like poops their pants right before he got out the door in the mass. And I was like, I was like, stop, 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 stop. He's saying that I can have, I can either accept it or I can kill you guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that it's just kind of a way of saying like, listen, like part of being a good head of household is like that piece of the realm kind of aspect, you know, like you take on not just like the concerns that you need to meet with your wife, but you need to do it for your children. And then you need to determine like the best and most selfless course for how to like, you know, keep your family afloat. And it's like, behavior some behaviors or some things that might irk you some things you might want to try pretend to put your foot down on some of them are just crosses like if we talk about how husband and wife together trying to get each other to heaven god god builds in the crosses that we can elevate that we can use for for the removing of our of our punishments in in purgatory like we can purge ourselves here on earth like that i'm sure that you know this is your first year i mean i know that you're learning a lot i'm not even married yet and i'm like okay this is clearly like offer it up moment <laughs> it's exciting for sure yeah yeah i think there has to be this awareness too of your concupiscence you know mm. and where did it where did it come from it, it it came from adam and eve yeah and we have a perfect example if we have the the perfect example of the holy family we have the imperfect example of adam and eve mm. where eve did not have that sort of understanding of uh hierarchy where she decided you know, without consulting Adam to take from the tree of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you see the imperfect example of, of Adam who did not have an understanding of his, his role as headship as the head of the family yeah. and just kind of let her do her thing. You know, there's a failure on, on both, both of their parts. And, um, and you have to be aware of that in your marriage and your your relationship if you're not married either just be aware of that because that can be something that uh 
that is going to come up and it, it's coming up because of your concupiscence because we're not perfect people you know where we have proclivity to sin mm-hmm. and and there's going to be times where you have that that sort of disordered desire to do something like yeah. oh i'm you know i'm just going to I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to yell at this guy today when he comes home today. (laughs) (laughs) That's never happened to me before. Like, uh, I just want to, I just want to say, I want to put a disclaimer that has never happened to me before. I can't even imagine Uh, what that, cause I feel like, I feel like Ash and Jen are like, uh, maybe they're similar in this, but like if Jen, something's bothering Jen, she's not a yeller. She's a stewer. Yeah. That's (laughs) like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm more, I'm more inclined to be the yeller. I'll tell you what's wrong. No, I mean, but yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I totally didn't mean to, to just derail it slightly. Yeah. There's one thing that's interesting when, when God goes to, to Adam, right. And is like, Hey, why are you hiding from me? You know? And he, cause the first thing he does is he throws Eve under the bus. He's like, he's like the woman that you, the woman that you gave me you know, had me eat of the fruit. And I'm like, man, the woman that you gave me, like, what a freaking fuck. What a, like, like, stupid, I mean, it's just like, you read that and you're I gotta like, find the, I keep talking, hang on. What a jabroni, you know? Oh, like, I know. Like, he, like, right before the fall, he knew God's omnipotence. So he knows that God knows what he's thinking. Right. He knows, like, that God probably knows. And he's like, Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was over here because uh, you know I was afraid that that I was naked. Where what are you is looking it? at? It's so I'm just I'm just finding where it, oh, here it is. So this is Genesis chapter one, uh, verse. Uh, I'll start with verse uh, verse nine uh, from the ESV. But the Lord God just make called sure to uh uh-huh. <laughs> just make sure to to add a uh, the word. Oh yes. A Lord. reading from the book of Genesis. Genesis. But the Lord God, I'm just kidding. But the Lord God, <laughs> <laughs> we thank God we don't have those days anymore. It was so nice on Palm Sunday, right? Where I was like, man, we don't have to respond. We just got to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? In verse 12, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So I just love the the finger pointing. So, you know, it's like with guys, like I get like, I like proper headships are really important thing. I'm all about it. I, I think there are, there are, um, what's very funny and what's really hard. I get this is difficult for women and it's difficult for men because we have to make sure to exercise it properly. But part of headship is not just like the big decisions. It's like, if it's a small thing, just teetering, like you got to listen to your husband. Like you just, you just have to, like, there's a weight on his shoulders that's different. There's a, there's a couple of soul that's different. And so that's why, like, I've been really trying to pray for, like, what that looks like in decisions. Because, um, anyway. But what's funny is, like, Adam derelicts his duty. He doesn't go, I was not safeguarding my wife. Because 
the husband is the first defense of the wife. This is why the serpent went to Eve. Because if he went to Adam, Adam would be like, F off, bro. But how did, how did you know, if, if since the, the wife is the heart of, of her husband and vice versa, it's like Eve was able to get Adam in a way that the serpent directly couldn't. Um, which is why to me it's like so many times, like how many times in the Bible does like sin enter with women to men, like Jezebels of the world, for heaven's sake, the Bathshebas of the world. Because it's way easier for us for in our carcupiscence. Um, but I just love how Adam's like, oh yeah, I'm the head, except sorry, oh, oh, you get you knew this was gonna happen. Like you gave her to me. Like, I don't know what you want me to do, Lord. <laughs> Pick the wrong rib. The wrong <laughs> Dude, never call Ash. Never call Ash your favorite rib. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> when the rib starts talking, <laughs> when the rib, the next time Jed enters a room, I'm going to shout. Traffic, they're going to be like, the rib approaches, approaches. Oh no, you're going to get killed. <laughs> well, I mean, so she can she can maim me, but I don't think she wants me dead just yet. Not till after. <laughs> and I think. <laughs> You know, people aren't going to ask you, hey, are you still beating your wife? It's going to be the other way around. Right. Hey, Jen, are you still beating up? <laughs> you still beating up Jordy? Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? Nah, I'm just kidding. No, Jen's wonderful. And maybe kind of like a final thing, but I was just, you know, the culture is so lost on marriage. And it's funny because I think like what, what's so funny is that earlier was like, how do you divorce proof your marriage? And there are four things experts identify, and then there's like a very Catholic way. So first off, as a Catholic, it's like, understand that marriage is a sacrament. The D word doesn't exist, nor does annulment. Like they, these things just don't exist. It's like, that's why, you know, Catholics can't divorce, but they can kill each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you go into marriage knowing that it's a sacrament, not just a contract, not just a handshake for sex, but really is deeply a, a, a bit of the covenant. And on top of that, each time you engage in the marital act, you are renewing that sacrament. In other ways too, but that's just like a testament to why it is you're married for the procreation of children and secondary the unity of the couple. I mean, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, and it's, it's really kind of sad when you see people who, who've completely lost themselves in what the culture's view is. The culture views that like cohabitation is cool. Marriage is old and fuddy duddy. And, um, and so the four things all on top of that, sacrificial marriage it's like if you agree on religion obviously that's the most important thing like your beliefs and your value systems have to be in lockstep this sometimes goes down to the nitty-gritty as you and i know like it'd be hard for us to date uh like charismatic catholics you know or marry like kind of charismatics although i do believe Dude, we that... looked we lucked out bro yeah we really did I mean, luck isn't really a thing but Right. Well, I remember, you know I, mean. I mean, I tell this story so often because it's so affectionate about it, but you remember you started going to Latin mass and you were like, I love it. I don't know how I'm going to tell Ashley. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like for Jen, it was like day one. I was like, no, this is what, this is what we're doing. And she was like, cool. And it's funny, like listening to her now because she's like become like this, like she's becoming this like little micro theologian, <laughs> like a little Latin mass spitfire. Um, that was, I think that was a good test for me personally. Mm -hmm to fit into the role. Mm. It was like, nah, we're doing this because this, yeah, this is going to change our life. It's going to, it's going to radically change our life yeah. for the better. This is what it is by the greater good. Yeah. Um, for sure. 
Um, so that's number one, religion lockstep. And on the subs things, like you have to, if you pray, you know, they always say like the family that prays together stays together. Turns out that's, that's actually like that's true, especially as far as husband and wife goes. Like if you pray with your spouse, you're not getting divorced. It's statistically ridiculous. The second thing of course is, is finances. Um, especially if you're in a family that combines everything, which you should, you should be able to talk to your spouse about money. Most fights are cited come from money and all that kind of stuff. But if you're able to be like, hey, this is what we're doing. If you combine your goals, it only makes sense that strengthens the marriage. Um, the third thing is children. And for people who aren't Catholics, the, the quote is, are you going to have children and how are you going to raise them? For Catholics, it really is like, how are you going to raise them? How are you going to give what is the testament to your sacrament? Like, are you guys disciplinarians? Do you spank? You guys going to spank your kids? <laughs> Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you when they're doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be like, you know, just for everything. But Right. No, I'm, no. Kids, kids are wonderful. They're gifts from God. They're also tyrants. They will take, they will take a mile if you, if you let them. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not really the kind of guy. I think my choleric side must come out when, when it comes to children because it comes out with my nephew because I'm not going to be the kind of guy who's like in the grocery store when kids throw in a fit. Oh, well, listen, little Billy. I'm sorry, but you just can't have a box of cinnamon toast crunch today. I'm gonna be like, how right. about this? Yeah. You can have a candy bar oh, instead. F me. Don't be a <laughs> cuck, bro. Don't be a cuck, bro. Really? Dr. Ray Grendy, uh, one of the things he talks about in his book is like the if then method, which I realized was used on me as a kid. It's like, you know, if we rake the leaves, then we can go inside for some hot choc cocoa. But if you don't rake the leaves, we're not getting the hot chocolate. And then you just are dogmatic about it. And kids are like, oh my gosh, I got a goal. Oh my gosh, we can do this. I did it with my nephew when we were shoveling snow the other day. I was like, he was like, I kind of want to go inside. And I was like, well, if you help me finish, you know, give me another 15 minutes. If we, if we can, do, if you do that, we can go inside and get some hot chocolate. And he was like, ah, <laughs> like, I got to write this down. Uh, so yeah, that's it. And then the fourth one is it's in-laws but really it means family like how are what is our four you know this one i'm learning this one in real time by the way how are we going to what's our foreign policy on family because there's no more jen and jordan it's there's no more rudy and ashley it's we as a couple and that's that's so important too like i think that's i mean it doesn't just go away in a traditional circle yeah you know in fact i think sometimes it gets exacerbated you aren't marrying your your wife or your husband's family. Right. Like they come with the package, but you're not marrying them. And, and really your choices have to be made between you and your spouse. Mm -hmm. It's so important. I can, I can tell you that like that's one of the uh, number four is really important for yeah. sure. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, if you don't put your foot down, if you're not accustomed to doing that, if you're just like your whole life, you've been, you know, the kind of person that wants to please, you're going to have problems in your marriage. I mm. promise. I guarantee it because it, it's just going to, somebody's going to feel like it's going to feel like it's not between you and your spouse. It's, it's between like your spouse and your family. Right. And in a way it's competing with your headship. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and like I said, like, I know that you've learned that lesson. I learned it in real time. It's just like, you know, at the end of the day, like we consult each other on family issues. And 
especially how Jen and I, how I, I think how Jen and I look at our lives together, it's going to be a transformation for her from her background, I should say, you know, Jen grew up moving in and out of different apartments in San Bernardino, California. San Bernardino, for anyone's reference, is one of the poorest cities in the United States, okay? I grew up middle-class gentleman farmers, Hicktown, middle of nowhere, three acres, always plenty of trees. So we're shaping up for what I kind of consider is, God willing, will be kind of a nice, kind of more countryside, middle-class lifestyle. Um, and that's different. That's a different thing from like what her immediate family might be used to too. And so I know that there's just kind of stuff, this is the habit of families are where you're going to, I'm going to, I'm already like, Jen's tasked me as head. She's been like, listen, like, I really need you to be my emotional guardian on this stuff. And I'm like, you gave me a mission, baby. I'm freaking on it. Like open, shut. Yes. No, she is my wife, you know? And it's like, I can take, you're going to do great, bro. I mean, you can tell her, I'm like mad just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. but like. Yeah, well, if you I, dwell on it too hard, it's like. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, I have you to thank because like you gave me a kind of a trial run, you know? So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're living vicariously through. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, but it's true. It's like the moment you learn like how, how to draw boundaries, healthy boundaries of family is uber important, especially when you're married, because it's like you are in an extent marrying into a family. But you're right. Like yeah. you're marrying your wife. You're not marrying her mother-in-law or her her anybody's. Right. You're marrying her and vice versa. Um, it's also fun to say no, isn't it? It's freaking fun to say no. <laughs> oh. As long as you do it in a charitable way. There, oh, yeah, there's, very charitable. I, there's been moments where it's like, it's like, all right, take a step back. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like pump, pump the brakes. I, I told Jen, I'm like, there's some stuff. I'm like, listen, I'm support class on. Like, you know, like I'm behind you here. Like, do this. You know, I'm with you 100. percent But like, I know I can't, it can't come from my mouth <laughs> yeah. because you know I'm the, I'll be the bad guy. Duh. So, <laughs> cool. Well, I, you know, I'm thinking also of um, I was going to, well, Ashley and I just went to one of the. The SSPX does like a little like marriage retreat oh, yeah. kind of class thing yeah. um, here in Arcadia. And um, it was put on by Father Burfitt. And, you know, there's like six classes. And I think that's for the the preparation of the people who are engaged. But he, he invited anyone who's married. So we just figured, oh, let's go pop in and see what they're talking about. What's popping? You know, one of the one of the things he said that I really took away from from that uh that little uh, meditation was that he suggested that you should make your house a little Bethany. You know, Jesus loved to go to Bethany to see uh, Lazarus and, um, and uh, who's the other one and, and Mary. Mm -hmm. Not Martha. No, they were his friends. You know, he loved to be there. So your home has to be a little Bethany where, where Jesus is there mm -hmm. and it's an enjoyable place to be, you know, that's really important. Yeah. That's really important to cultivate. Yeah. I, I finally picked up, you know, I've had theology of the home on my mantelpiece forever and I finally kind of picked it up and I was, I was oh, that's a good to one. read it. Yeah. It's a nice book. It's a nice like book. And it's so, it's so good on how the home is culturally, theologically, everything is the center point we always are trying to go like when we talk about death 
we say that we are going home, right? We're returning to the mm-hmm. Father. When someone converts or reverts, we say, welcome home. Daddy's home. I'll be home for Christmas. And home is where the heart is. And um, how poetic we describe home, even if it's a messy home, even if it's not the most perfect home, the most luxurious home, but it's always home. You and me, we're homies. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. The boys are homies. <laughs> that's right it's right and so i just feel like part of building back that traditional culture is is really returning domesticity to its proper pedestal i think the home front is wonderful jen wants to jen wants to stay home with the kids when we have some and i I think if that's possible i'd love to you know i can tell that that's really like where her heart is and she really wants to be like a homemaker she has really good ideas and she knows that it takes work and i know that it takes work and so it's something that I was speaking of, a little miss is calling me now. <laughs> it's something that I don't want to take for granted ever with her. Um, because I like, I get like, I like the whole bachelor pad thing, but I'm also really excited to kind of shed that a little bit, like to come home and to, for the first time in my life, like talk about drapes and lighting and, and flooring and where we're going to put the crucifixes and the sacred icons and all that kind of stuff. And really building, like, I think it's uber important for every Catholic listening a place in your home that is a shrine. Doesn't have to be a big fancy one, doesn't have to be an entire room. If you can, awesome. I'd love to make a shrine in like a little room someday, like the little chapel in the house. But just a place where you can go to meditate, just apart from things, apart from your electronics and everything like that, if you can. Or some place you can look when you're doing your rosary or meditating on on the readings or something like that. I was gonna say that all the time we have, that's completely untrue because we can always talk forever. <laughs> I think that's a good cap. Um, Thank you so much to our subscribers. Thank you so much for everyone who watches and listens to us and keeps us in your prayers. If you would like to, if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and hit that red button down there. Also, the notification bell tells you when there's a new video, both these kind of long form ones of Rudy and I, as well as our single videos, all a bunch of good fun. Um, Listen guys, subscribing is free. That's right, that's right. Smash that like button, demolish that like button. <laughs> Subscribing's free. <laughs> And, um, you know, again, we love to hear comments. We love to hear feedback. Uh, if you have any video suggestions, if you have any comments, you like the videos, uh, you know, please, 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 we'd love to hear back from you. A lot of, we've been getting a lot of really, really positive comments back and a lot of people talking about where they're at in their own kind of spiritual walks and, and where they're at with tradition, which has been really exciting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really, it's really cool to read through those comments for sure. Yeah. I, there was a, there was a comment the other day that was like, um, uh, there was somebody who was a Catholic wife or she's engaged or something like that. Mm. And she was looking for a, a video uh, on, on how to be a good Catholic wife. So maybe we can have uh, Jen and Ashley on and yeah. talk yeah. about it. I remember cool. that. I, I saw that. And uh, <laughs> I think that's absolutely wonderful. Yep. Uh, please do a video on cat. This is from J dot uh, J space C. Please do a video on Catholic women being wives and I was like, yeah, that's something that I definitely need to talk to my, uh, you, your wife and my fiance. If we wait long, if we wait short enough, she'll be wife too, because I think yeah. we get a round table, you know? Um, yep. yeah, just absolutely excellent. So thank you to all of our subscribers. Thanks to all the people who listen. If you like this, please, 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 uh, besides keeping us in your prayers, which is the most important thing you can do for us, sharing this video to family, sharing this video to friends, getting the word out is really, really helpful for us. Um, I think that about covers it. So from us here on the glad tried podcast god bless you and may I keep you we'll see you on the next one adios see you later